Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Austin, and this week we have a really special uh, treat for you guys. We have Damien from The Concealed Journey joining me from uh, North Dakota. Uh, so we sit down, we talk about uh, about what they're doing over at The Concealed Journey. We hear about uh, how they got started and things, uh, what their mission is, what their goal is over there. Uh, before I get into it with Damien, I just want to as always, touch on our two amazing sponsors here at The Prepared Mindset. First, Eclipse Holsters. Guys, head over to EclipseHolsters.com. Grab a new holster, grab a wallet, grab a mag carrier. Whatever you guys need, the team's going to take great care of you. They take great care of us here at Prepared Mindset. If you guys spend over $60, they're going to hook you up with free shipping, and they're going to have it out the door on its way to you in under three business days top-notch service and a top-notch quality product. If they don't have what you're looking for, shoot them an email, ask them. 9.9 times out of 10, they'll be able to hook you up with a custom print. If there's something very specific you're looking for for a gift or, or just for yourself because you're very particular, whatever you want, Jess and her team, are gonna they're going to knock it out of the park, guaranteed. And if you use our discount code, prepared15, they're going to save you 15% off on your order. Again, that's EclipseHolsters.com. Also, MyMedic.com. For whatever medical needs that you guys have, they've got the answer, all right? You, whether it's a first aid kit, maybe you just need another tourniquet for your plate carrier, your battle belts to throw in the, the bag when you're heading to the range. Uh, maybe it's just a, a solo uh, bandage pack for when you're out hiking, uh, if you're into mountain climbing. Hey, maybe if you're into hunting, right? Accents happen with hunting, uh, whether it's a bow, a crossbow, a rifle, it's always good to have a medical kit on hand. Uh, maybe you're building your own. You just need some extra supplies. Hey, maybe it's even just something to carry when you're out walking the dog in case something should happen. They have a kit that's specifically designed for our four-legged furry friends. MyMedic.com. And if you use our discount code, Mindset20, they're going to save you guys 20% on your order. If you guys even head over to our Facebook page, in our offer section, you can use our affiliate link and every cent that you guys spend with them, a piece of that comes back to help support the prepared mindset with everything that we're trying to do and trying to uh, grow and advance the project here. So can't say enough good things about our sponsors. Please uh, go check them out and help support us. Without much further ado, I'm going to get us over to our interview with Damian Hauser from The Concealed Journey. Damien, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing tonight? Good, good. Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. Um, I know we just went back and forth for like 20 minutes, uh, or it feels like 20 minutes at least, you know, kind of figuring this all out and stuff, but um, we got it. I'm super excited that, uh, you know, I did the, the Instagram live with you guys on your, your uh, discussion tour a couple weeks ago. It's actually probably more like a couple months ago. It feels like it was a couple weeks, but that was super cool. And I'm excited that now I get to have you on the prepared mindset and we can talk about what you guys do. Heck yeah. So you are with uh, a group called uh, the concealed journey and you correct me if I mean, that's the wrong vernacular group uh, organization project uh, <laughs> of sorts. Um, yeah. So tell, tell, uh, tell us what, what you guys are about, man. Like when did you start? What kind of, what sparked all this, uh, you know, who are you? Sure. So my name is Damien. I'm one of five founding members of the Concealed Journey. I'm the secretary, if titles mattered, um, even though 
I have no clerical skills at all. So, <laughs> relevant. Um, so myself, my uncle, brother, and two of our friends, we started the Concealed Journey as an entity, I guess. I don't know. It's a conglomerate. Well, I don't know. Whatever. We're just five dudes that that conceal carry. And um, the founder and president, Corey, he started this just as an Instagram page, I don't know, three years ago. And it was really just to like essentially monitor and and record for like index purposes what his concealed journey looked like you know starting out with like a 20 dollar holster that he got from amazon you know and like an old belt that he had until you know moving up in gear and then meeting new people and asking them questions it was essentially just an instagram page at first and then he got busy switched jobs and started out doing extra work on the side and couldn't keep up with the Instagram. And then we met him. He met our family uh, about two years ago this summer and he started shooting with us and wanted to get into guns even more and training and everything like that. So he started training with us and then asked if we wanted to get the Instagram thing back up and running. So we were absolutely delighted and elated and honored in fact to (laughs) what he was doing. And so we jumped on and we just, my brother and I essentially helped him just kind of spread the responsibilities of Instagram out. You know, you're in charge of posting, you're in charge of the IG lives. Like, um, you comment on, you know, other people's posts and ask questions and, you know, see if, you know, get us some merch or get them merch. How are they doing merch? You know, things like that outreach networking essentially. And then shortly after that, we decided, well, should we make this a thing? Like, you know, we all, we love shooting and we love carrying. Obviously I can seal carry all day, every day, everywhere I go, unless there's a metal detector. And that's, that's not entirely equally accurate for some of the other members. Some of the other guys aren't quite as disciplined about it, but, um, myself, I'll speak for myself alone. I can seal carry all day, every day, everywhere I go, but we decided, you know, maybe we can build this thing into an official entity and then offer training for folks as well. So, you know, being as that last year, especially there was a huge influx in new gun owners and new shooters and just so many people to this, to the firearms community, which I think is fantastic. I, I, I love that there's more exposure of uh, firearms to more people. And it's be, mostly because, I mean, in one selfish regard, let's say, because I love guns more than anything like literally anything is my number one passion. It's my number one hobby. Um, It's my number one skill. And I'm not that skilled at it, but I mean, it's my number one skill for sure. It's what I invest most of my money and time and, and (laughs) so it's really cool to see more people um, enjoying firearms, excuse me, enjoying firearms and then concealed carrying as well. And obviously that's kind of like our shtick. So, that's interesting too but we wanted to just facilitate some training in our region so we're from north central north dakota and when we looked up training in our area there was one i don't even know it was a super basic pistol class that was offered at the adjacent town to our state's capital 
and it was very infrequent that they would even offer that training. So we, there was nearly nothing else, I mean, in the tri-state area. So we we're like, well, this is a completely untapped region. I mean, this, it seems as though this region is, is suffocating for training, you know, and, yeah. and we we're like, well, let's do it. So uh, let's all go get certified to be instructors and let's, let's take a swing at it. So. Oh, so you guys actually all went and got certified. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we, we Which just recently added. I only two. ask because, you know, I think, uh, there's a lot of guys out there that don't, you know, I mean, like it's good, not necessary, you know, but it's good that you guys are willing to go out there and like put the time in, put out the money, you know, to like, to learn those things. Cause you may not, <clears throat> I guess you may not like use everything that you learn doing that. Right. But at yep. least, you know, like, I guess there's always more to it than people see it. Like, I'm sure a lot of guys look at it and go, I could teach somebody how to shoot. I could do that. That's not a thing. And it's like, yeah, man, um, it's just, it's different, you know? Um, yeah. And I, how have you, how many classes have you guys had so far? Uh, This last Sunday was our 10th, 11th, 10th or 11th class. And we, we became an official entity. So we are, uh, I believe we are an LLP, Limited Liability Partnership. I think that's correct. I don't know. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm the secretary. I don't handle logistics or the administrative per points of uh, the concealed journey. I don't. But um, yeah, we became official, I believe, in November. Dude, that's like, awesome. Yeah. So that's it, like super legit. It's It's cool. I mean... It's really cool to be a part of something, and I'm I don't really consider it to be like a small business owner, even though technically, I'm I'm an equal fifth owner of the Concealed Journey, and it is a business. We have, you know, a tax ID and everything like that. Um, but I I, I I just love working with new students. I mean, just shooters in general. I don't care if I'm teaching you or you're teaching me. I just I truly love guns and gun stuff and gear and shooting and training and i'm just always trying to get better i just i have such an undying aspiration to be great and this just happens to be where i'm focusing my attention and efforts is mm -hmm. in the firearms community whether that that means me being a shooter or an instructor or a student as well you know i i really like we've got the warrior poet society coming to train us toward the end of July and I'm just going to be an abs I, I intend to be an absolute sponge and just soak up as much of that as we can. And one, one thing to keep in mind to kind of like circle back about what you said about us getting our certifications is we figured there's like, it's already pretty likely that most people or some people would, would look past us as credible instructors and that's even with us having let's say the minimal credentials being a certified there's air quotes around that <laughs> yeah audio um there's air quotes around that being a certified instructor because there are a ton of people out there that aren't even certified that are fantastic shooters and fantastic teachers and trainers and instructors and then there are also i was just gonna say yeah there's guys that aren't that are certified that are i mean look at um was that dude from uh was it like Voda Tactical, the one that was all over the internet, super unsafe. Um 
teaching classes to people who honestly don't have any clue, right? Like they don't know, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. <clears throat> there's definitely those people out there that went out and they got the, the certificate, they got the certification to say, hey, I'm a, you know, NRA accredited um, instructor for concealed yeah. carry or whatever. But they're they're out there teaching this stuff and it's it's inaccurate, it's it's unsafe. And I mean, I think we have probably a similar philosophy that like, People that want to get out there and train, right? They seek out resources like you guys. They they want to know because they want to know the right way to do it, right? They want to be a more competent and confident uh, citizen, right? And they want to be an asset with their firearm, you know? Um, and, and in my opinion, if you're not actively searching this stuff out, and that's not saying you got to go to like 10 classes a year or anything. That's just saying if you're not searching out people like you guys or, or others or, or you guys like re, you know researching out to warrior poet and stuff for people that know more or just know different things or can yeah. even just present the same concepts in a different way that makes you think about it differently like you're a liability you know what i'm saying and i think that it's really cool that you guys are approaching it the way that you are with the like the passion you know it's not a I mean, it is a business endeavor, obviously, but it's not about the business as much as it is, like, the the determination to, like, help your fellow man, you know, spread the good information. Um, and especially right now, like you said, at a point in time in this country where we have, uh, you know, more new gun owners than we've probably had in ever, I would say yeah. ever. You know, I mean, like... Yeah. How many people would you say you've had reach out to you um, in the past year? You know, basically since lockdown really set in across the country. How many people would you say you've had reach out like with questions on gear, questions on training, uh, questions on if they should buy a gun? You know, I would say, I would say in the past year it probably equals as many questions as I had gotten since I got into guns. Like hardcore got into guns when I was 19 years old. I'm 27 now, and in the past year, I would say there's been an equal amount of people that have asked me questions about guns and gear or concealed carry or whatever, equivalent to the seven years before that. Yeah. So in seven years, and like that's including like my family members that know I'm into guns, right? And they're like, oh yeah, well I was thinking about picking up this uh, Savage Access chambered in 243. What do you think? You know, including <laughs> those questions, right? Including those. Um, I would I would say it's equal the last seven years until this last year, up you know in comparison, and um, yeah you're and totally about it. Like I don't care about it as a business. I mean I want it to succeed because it's something absolutely of, you know. But I do I don't I don't care about the money. I've never cared about money, and is is that that translates directly into business. So I'm probably a bad business partner because I don't care about money at all. Um, I just, I just, I just want to do the work so those guys can worry about the money and I'll be at class. Yeah, I would say that's, that's okay. Cause you're the secretary. You're not the treasurer, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, but I mean, it's, um, it's both exciting. And at the same time, it, it, it's almost in a way upsetting, you know, to, to see and find out there's that many people that are interested or had thought about it and had probably felt a certain way about there was some reason why they never reached out you know what i mean like oh um i don't need to be worried about defending myself the police will take care of it or i don't want to own a gun because i don't need you know what i mean i feel like there's just so many things in this world that are working towards 
people's, I guess, um, like insecurities, the feelings that, you know, I don't need a gun or, uh, you know, only crazy people or only weird people carry guns with them every day. And it's just not true. You know, I think the media does a really awesome job at making guns uh, <clears throat> look bad or people yeah. that people like us, you know, they carry guns that are um, right. pro 2A that make, make us look like there's something wrong with with thinking this way uh, to the point where I even I preface stuff all the time when I talk to people. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I'm sure I sound a little bit paranoid when I say this to you, but, uh, you know, this is what you should do. You know, I, you carry a gun, carry a spare magazine, carry a tourniquet. Like, do you really think you're going to need that? I'm like, well, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I don't I don't plan for the best case. You know, it's you, you plan for the worst case. You hope for the best case. Absolutely. Um, you know, and having this many new people out there, uh, it, it's awesome that they're out there and, and information's so readily available these days, you know, Instagram, YouTube. Um, oh, yeah. So it's awesome to have guys like like you guys out there, I want you know, fight the good fight, right? Help people and spread the good information and everything. So when you guys are, are you guys putting together like a... Uh, like a, a set of curriculum? Do you just have one one class that you're teaching right now, like Pistol One or something, or, or how are you guys, uh, you know, kind of building the curriculum as you're expanding and and growing? Sure. So right now, the majority of what we've taught has been basics of pistol shooting, which is the basics, right? So we're talking about this is the slide, this is the barrel. This is the difference between a single action revolver, a double action revolver, semi-automatic handgun. You know, that's that's been the majority of what our classes have been. And we've done one pistol one class and that went really well. But we're we're kind of uh, questioning whether it should be called a pistol one, because here's here's one thing about also including our experience is that being as that we we haven't really shot with other people around the country or taken anybody else's classes. I mean, I'm, and I'm talking like a pistol one class, pistol two, carbine one, carbine two. Um, what we're working on next weekend actually is like figuring out what our metric is. So we're going to establish and evaluate what our standards, what our standards are. And being as that what we're capable of doing and then mm-hmm. Beneath that, what we're capable of teaching, I, I I think it would be foolish for somebody to think they can teach something that they can't do. And, you know, from the School of Rock with Jack Black, you know, is those who can't do teach and those who can't teach teach Jim. But um, <laughs> but, you know, we want to make sure that we're not that we're also not going to get ourselves into hot water here by like trying to teach something that we're not competent on. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. We're establishing that next weekend to really find out like what our base is and what our metric is. And like I like I was saying about we had a our pistol one class was three weekends ago. And we're actually kind of thinking maybe it should be considered a pistol novice class because for probably it was a four hour class. And for the first, I would say, hour and a half, we didn't even have students drawing out of the holster. So, yeah. you know, they're just like working from the bench tabletop dry fire was obviously the beginning of it and then you know then live ammo but that was before we started to incorporate actually drawing from a holster and it was up to the students in this class whether they wanted to draw from concealment or outside the waistband we didn't really care but and these these people that took this class were i would say um acquaintances at the very least so like we had already known their first names before they came to class they weren't total strangers 
So we had the opportunity to somewhat uh, like evaluate their capabilities and their competence before they came to take our class. But I mean, that's not to say that accidents still don't happen, but none did. It was it was a great class. Yeah. But we're, we're kind of thinking maybe we were getting a little ahead of ourselves, calling it a pistol one class, because I, I, I feel like a pistol like like a national standard for pistol one is a little bit more involving, a little bit more demanding. And sure. it requires a little bit more skill and capability. But like I personally and honestly just don't know because I've never taken an actual pistol one class from anybody else. And we've we've looked at other entities curriculum for what a pistol one class is. And this is close, but I think it was a little slower paced uh, than than like, let's say what Warrior Poet Society's pistol one class is. Obviously, I, like, yeah, I, and. And it takes time, right? You know, you got to like, like you're saying, you got to get that, you got to set that metric and really see, and and it's different, right? Because their standard on what a pistol one maybe, you know, maybe is, um, is probably going to be a little bit different than what your interpretation is. And that's, I mean, totally fine. But I mean, even on the flip side of that, having like, uh, you're saying, um, like a novice pistol class or, you know, pistol 101 or intro to pistol, Honestly, man, I think that that's something that not enough of these uh, training companies and stuff offer. Because right. if you look at um, like new shooters and stuff, and if you've ever gone to an indoor range, you see, you know what I'm talking about. You know, these right. people that they don't know how to rack the slide, they don't know how to uh, load a magazine. You know, and it's yeah. it's kind of scary for them. It's kind of intimidating. I remember my first time and loading the magazine. Dude, too, I'm no no shit. It definitely took me about like seven, maybe ten minutes to load up a uh, magazine for a, a Ruger LC9 because I just had no idea what I was doing. I felt like I had, you know, ten thumbs on my hand, like trying to, to load it up, and I'm just like looking around, I'm like, is anybody staring at me? Do I, you know, what I mean, it's really, it, it can be intimidating, but um, I think more places should offer that, like build the confidence uh, in a safe environment, you know? Um, yeah. And that's, I even had a friend that uh, reached out because he wants to, he wants to start carrying, you know, he wants to get a, one of the, uh, the new shield plus the, that 13 round shield, which I'm nice. super pissed that I bought mine before that came out. But, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I'm right. like, yeah, it's a good gun and everything. And, uh, you know, his girlfriend wanted to surprise him for his birthday and she's like, oh, do, you know, will you come to the range with us? And I go, well, yeah, I would love to, but have either of you ever shot before? And they go, no, will that be a problem? I go, I would recommend maybe you guys want to like come over. We can like sit down. I'll, I'll show you a couple different firearms and like explain how this all works because you know, it's really not a, a live range is not the best place to teach people. You know what I yeah. mean? You got to scream. Um, even just the, if you, you know, I read a couple books on like the psychology and stuff, the sensory overload from all the loud noise and everything, you get the adrenaline going. It's like, it, you know, it's hard to, to, to really make that a, um, a comfortable learning environment. So I do, I think honestly, if you guys, even if you keep that as a pistol one or you go to a, uh, a novice pistol class, man, I think that that's like, that's like where the real work is done in my opinion. Cause it seems like there's so many, you know, companies out there that want to just jump into like the, the high speed stuff and they want like, cause that's fun, right? Everyone wants to see that. Oh yeah. But like, if you look at the community, man, I think what you're talking about is, you know, arguably more valuable. Sure. Yeah, we uh, we've we've noticed a bigger demand for that, anyways. So, I mean, in in one aspect, it's it's purely supply and demand because, like you said, in the last year, 
obviously we've we've had an an insanely rapid influx of new gun owners right and that's not mm-hmm. to, that's not talking about the people that already had owned guns before that bought more guns right, <laughs> right. <laughs> for these people that have never owned guns before and so i mean you know with with that void we also not only with that void nationwide but then the void regionally as well when the lack of training i mean that's that that was really it you know and we and we've been doing this before it was ever an official entity i mean we you know like my brother and i essentially like coached up the president founder Corey. you know like when he came to us i mean he was relatively new to concealed carry and he had just bought his first ar-15 like I don't know. I want to say like within six months before he met us. So, you know, we we kind of coached him up before that, and you know, working with friends beforehand. I mean, is working with people shooting all the time. And my brother and I've been working with each other the whole time, right? And I mean, like I said before, always a student. I'm, I'm down to learn. That's why we have Warrior Poet Society coming at the end of July. And I I try to soak up as much as I can as often as I can, which is why I really love social media, is because it's. obviously social media gets a bad rap sometimes but for me personally it's been a an absolutely splendid experience because the the exposure to so many different people's methodologies and like just theories and the the way that they just think about something else or carry it you know and Mm -hmm. All these different companies that's one thing about gear especially is like i'm only one person with with a fixed budget you know i can't just i can't just try a hundred different holsters or you know try a hundred different optics right i can i can reach out to you and i can be like hey man how are you liking that uh gray man solutions holster you know you're like oh this thing's fantastic you know like i speak with a guy out in pennsylvania regularly he's He's a huge supporter of the concealed journey and what we do. And um, he just got a new holster. It's like a minimalistic holster from Standard Co. And essentially just retains around the weapon light and trigger guard. So there's there's no covering. Yeah, I think I've seen those. Yeah. 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 And uh, he said he wore it for a day and it's really stiff. Like the retention on that thing is maxed out. So he's like, I don't know, it's really sticky. It's like kind of hard to draw. But like, I wouldn't have known that. You know what I mean? I couldn't have known that yeah. unless I bought one. But I mean, that, that's one nice thing is you can just get so much more insight by this this vast resource of other people's experiences through social media. It's really cool. And, you know, I mean, the like the discussion tour that we had, you know, the IG live sessions that we had that we've had the beginning through or just uh, through this entire year so far leading up to this even yet and having you on. I mean there's so many different ways of life and like other people's fortes. And it's, it's been really cool to kind of, I don't know, take a step in somebody else's path, you know, and that's been a ton of fun. And, you know, you don't, it's, it's super helpful because it really gives you, like you said, you, you see it uh, from their, their path, their point of view in life. And like, um, for instance, uh, Sam, you know, my co-host here, he's a, he's a former, uh, you know, military guy and everything. Uh, great shooter. He <laughs> cracks me up because he used to, he used to carry all the time in a fanny pack. Yeah. Um, and I was like, dude, one, like fanny pack, bro, like, come on. And like two, 
fanny pack, man. And he's like, no, no, listen, listen. I have three small children under the age of seven. Like, I got one on my shoulders. I got one in each hand. Like, I need it out in front of me. Like, I'm in there all the time for snacks and wipes and stuff. Like, like I... It makes more sense for me to carry it there than it does anywhere else on my body. Sure. <laughs> like, you know what? That makes sense, man. Like, I would not have considered... Like, I don't have kids, so yeah. I would never have considered it that way. Um, and now you're even starting to see... I don't even know how to feel about this. Innovation in the fanny pack game when it comes to concealed carry. You yeah. know? And I'm like, yeah. ah. I mean, I respect it. I respect it. I'll never do it, but I respect it, you know? Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, sometimes, sometimes when I go jogging before I learned this whole trick about, so, um, I've got a next belt and I've got a core essentials belt. And if you take your gym shorts or your sweatpants or whatever, put the belt on and then roll the waistband over top of the belt and Mm -hmm. then put holster on that. It's, it's really, it's really, it's pretty trick actually. And I actually learned that from my uncle's girlfriend who's brand new to concealed carry. Like she just started carrying this year and she comes, she comes up to me and I was like, okay, how's Game this all changer. working out? And she's like, yeah, well, I was, I was checking out this other chick's YouTube and, um, she, had, she recommended that I like just cause she, my uncle's girlfriend wears leggings right often as most women do. And, you know, the woman on the YouTube that she was watching said, you know, just take your leggings and just roll the waistband over top of one of your concealed carry belts. And my cousin or my uncle's girlfriend told me this. And I was like, oh, I'm mind mean, blown, mind blown. I've been I've been concealed carrying for eight years and I never thought of that. What? You know, no. I was just I was just like ripping the drawstring super tight or carrying in a fanny pack as well. You know, mm-hmm. I'd throw like Block 43 in my fanny pack when I went for a jog, you know, just to have a gun on me because I was so I was so worried that like I would I'd be like running on the street and then like hop up to get on the curb to like go down the next path or whatever. And when I did that little hop or something, the whole gun and holster would come out. And I mean, up here in North Dakota, honestly, things are really relaxed. I mean, it's 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 a pretty pretty chill state. Most people are comfortable and confident around firearms and like everybody's pretty much laissez-faire like you mind your business i mind mine like, super jealous but super st- jealous yeah exactly i mean but still how embarrassing would it be if you know i was jogging and my handgun and holster came you know falling displaced out of my shorts oh dude um, if your friend sees you it's game over you'll never live that down you know, and not, and not only is it like embarrassing, but it's just it's also uncouth and mm-hmm. lacks etiquette and potentially dangerous in addition to that. So anyway, she showed me the whole uh, rolling the waistband over top of your concealed carry belt. And now that's that's a ticket. Now I wear I wear my shorts and gun like that when I when I go jogging or whatever, like just lounging. It's, you know, say it's late at night and I'm in my my joggers and I got to take my dog outside, bam, just like that, you know, then yeah. I'll put on like that. So that's super cool. And that's, that's what I'm talking about is like, it like breeds innovation by bringing new people in, you know really, what I mean? Like that's exactly it, it's, man. It's crazy. And honestly, I feel like not to make it about the genders, but I feel like getting more women to carry is going to push the, not really the limits, but like, it's going to help, you know, develop. I mean, look at like, um, 
like the Enigma that Phil, uh, Filster came out with, right? That yeah. you can attach a holster to, and it's basically like a very similar setup to what you just said with your your belt uh, under the shorts and stuff, but allows you to carry with something that doesn't have a rigid uh, waistline. Or um, like uh, we're here at Prepared Mindset, we're sponsored by uh, Eclipse Holsters, and they offered both uh, the Fabric Clip and the Alta Clip. That awesome. you can clip onto, um, like that's what my wife has the the fabric clip 1.0. I think there's some issues with the 2.0 that are being worked out by the company that manufactures those. But she bought that because it she can clip it onto dress pants, she can clip it onto leggings, shorts, like no problems. And it and it's secure enough, like that thing's not going to rip off while she's drawing, but it's still strong enough to uh, you know support the firearm and everything. Same thing with the Alta clip, and because I'm I'm personally I'm not. A, the hugest fan of belly bands i think that they're okay but personally i like having that that rigid protection around the trigger guard you know what i'm oh. saying and um i feel like honestly because of how uh women's fashion works and everything you know with leggings and yoga pants or whatever and you know tight fitting lines and everything you gotta get creative with how you're gonna make that work and Absolutely. you know as a byproduct we as men are starting to reap the benefits too you know like oh, it's sure. it's crazy we're seeing a ton of innovation, and I, I think it's awesome. Well, similarly, I, I mean, I, I agree with you in every facet of what you just said. Now, from from my uncle's girlfriend, once again, so her name is April, and she was playing the devil's advocate one day, you know, and she was asking us a bunch of questions about getting into concealed carry, you know, essentially testing if we're worth our salt at all, being that we are on a concealed journey to see, you know, if we could really diagnose and, and like, find a solution. She was like, okay, with, with the clothes that I'm wearing right now, I want to carry a gun on me. How do I do it? And I was like, the best way? She was like, the best way. <laughs> I was like, okay, the best way would be for you to put some pants on, put on a Core Essentials belt, and then get a Kydex holster and carry that appendix. Like, that'd be the best way. She was like, but I don't want to change my clothes. And I was like, okay, well, you're probably going to have to make some modifications to your wardrobe. Just honestly. Like, of course, yeah. she was being kind of a jerk. And like, you know, being super stubborn. So I went the opposite direction and I said, <laughs> you just, all you got to do is just change everything. But I mean, I was joking with, <laughs> you know, I was like, you're going to have to make some modifications to your wardrobe, April. Like you're just going to have to. And, you know, she was, she was really reluctant to change anything about her wardrobe, but you know, this is when she's wearing like, she's wearing like a super loose cardigan with, you know, like a a dress of some sort, like a flowing dress, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing to support a firearm that weighs 30 ounces, you know, that's, let's say it's 24 empty and, you know, then it would have been another, you know, six or eight ounces for the ammo, right? Sure. Not including a spare mag or the weight of the holster, but let's just say 30 ounces. There's nothing on that she was wearing that could support that kind of weight. I'm like, well, you have to find some way to affix it. You know what I mean? Or just carry a super light gun. Like, I, I suppose if you're going to carry an LCP, like that could just. You might be able to get away with something like that, but. There's no other there's no other support. I mean, like I, I told her that she was going to have to make some adjustments. And then you got things like like the Enigma is fantastic. You know, the belly bands or the corset carries the mm-hmm. gird. I mean, there is a ton of innovation. And I agree with you that. It's really cool to see more women getting into firearms. And I the 90, I would say 95% of all of our students have been females. 
and it's it's been awesome. And I tell you this, naturally, I, I think I think in general and naturally, women are capable of being better shooters than men are. I've I've found that to be the case. Oh, I'd agree, hundred percent. The same amount of training and experience. If you started two people off, man and woman, at zero, and then you ran them through one class, I, I would say in a majority, the woman would shoot better than the man would. And it's not only is it cool for to see women getting into it, because, I mean, I think they're better shooters and like, hell yeah, like I just want everybody to love guns. But not only for that, but also legacy purposes, right? So for generations to come, I mean, it's it's supposed to be seen like, yeah, when the first time I went shooting, I was with my grandpa and we were out on the farm, you know, and we were shooting at, you know, soda cans on a fence post. Right. And I mean, that's obviously like archetypical, like American grandson, you know, like yeah. I grew up in that soda cans with my grandpa <laughs> on the farm. Right. I mean, that that's super cool. But another thing is like if kids, if kids are seeing their dads do it, like that's one thing cool like yeah i want to i want to do what my dad did but like the endearing and supportive factor that would that typically comes from a mother and if if the mother is doing that in protection and love out of, out of her children i think children are so much more apt to pick up on that as well where it doesn't it doesn't entirely have that super macho like yeah just guns and like i've got a 12 gauge like i dare you to step on my lawn you know like i i, I really hope that gun owners can get away from that type of mentality where it's like, yeah, make my day, bro. Yeah. I, I can't stand that. And, and I think honestly, um, for people, you know, getting back to what we kind of said at the very beginning, you know, people that were hesitant, right. About getting a first firearm, they were hesitant about owning a gun. I can't tell you how many times I talked to friends and said, Hey man, if you want to get a gun, man, let's dude, I'll help you. You got questions. Well, I don't know. The wife would kill me. And it's like, but why? You know, does she really hate firearms or does she just not understand them? Has she ever shot before? And I think that stuff like this is looking at like, you know, especially the the traditional American family structure, you know, um, that's that's something that I know a lot of, of, you know, husbands struggle to overcome when trying to get into firearms. If if that wasn't, you know, something they were doing when they were dating. Um, Oh, yeah. But. And then even, you know, even in uh, households where maybe, you know, it's it's two partners and uh, one is really against it. You know, I think it's a really misunderstood concept. And I think that, you know, uh, it's awesome that more female uh, shooters are are getting out there and getting into it, because typically we look at the statistics. Right. And who's more likely to be targeted, you know, right, wrong, this, that, the other. You can say whatever you want about um, sexism and everything it's you look it's a statistic man like women are seen as a easier target by people that are out there seeking to do harm oh. and i think that the more women out there armed the more women that are, are out there uh, educated on how to protect themselves dude fantastic yeah. fantastic i think more should think that way I you know i really do yeah it's 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 nice to be able to have that support too so uh, like my brother like the disadvantage that you said about you know, if you weren't into guns before the relationship started, you you might meet some resistance getting into firearms later in a relationship. So my brother is now married, but before that they were, you know, just boyfriend and girlfriend, obviously. And my brother wasn't really into guns when we were in high school, and I wasn't that much either. I was more into skateboarding and listening to ridiculous music. You know, but <laughs> I got into I got into guns, and so did my brother as well. 
And now this is, you know, my brother and his, and his current wife, they've been together since they were like 13 years old. So, and they're, he's 20, they're 26 and 27 now. But, you know, when he first started getting into guns there, she didn't quite understand, you know, they, it was something new and, and picking up that new passion like that. Uh, she, she she understands that he's doing it. She still hasn't really come around to enjoying it like we do. Obviously, I think that's difficult because I'm telling you, I really love guns. Like, the, <laughs> um, but now for me, like, I've I've been into guns for eight years and I I've recently, um, invested into a relationship and I'm I'm like, totally neck deep in guns before I met this woman, right? And so. As she as she enters into this relationship with me, this is already a solid part of my life, right? It's essentially not entirely who I am, but it's a huge contributing factor as to who I am. That firearms are a significant part of my life and a part of my personality. So, <clears throat> me talking about guns and doing gun stuff—that's that's just natural. That's just what she's already accustomed to understanding as who and what I am. But yeah. when I was in a prior relationship with uh, like my high school sweetheart that in that transition after high school, when I was like, Oh, guns are super cool. Like this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'm going to go straight into this. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm doing guns now, you know? And I was just like buying gear, plate carrier, rifle, handgun outside the waistband holsters. Like let's go to the range, tons of ammo, you know? And she was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. What are you yeah, doing? Pump right? the brakes there guy. And not only because I was being financially responsible, which I was, which I totally understand. But she was also like somewhat, I don't know, I think she felt challenged by how much I was loving being into firearms, you know, and that's just based on her personality, not necessarily women in general. But there was that resistance, right? When you try to, when you try to transition into something that I think firearms should be taken seriously, you know, and that's another thing. And if I do anything, I do it balls to the wall, you know, it's all or nothing, do or die. And I totally just dove in head first to firearms. And that was, it was just too much. So there was too much acceleration yeah. beyond par. But now this is, this is the pace that I'm already at and already in. And my girlfriend is so supportive of it, which is, oh man, I'm telling you what, dude, it makes it so nice to not it have alleviates to alleviates so go. much of that stress to not have to worry about, you know, um, I mean, you still have to worry a little bit about like where you split your time and stuff, obviously, because you know, give and take with any relationship, but, uh, honestly, not, not to get too far away from the point, but it's like, man, any relationship, they, you know, having that support is, you mean, you gotta have it, right? I mean, it's part of who you are. And I feel like we all kind of go through those phases. Like I was real big into music in high school and a couple years after that, when I was in college and then things started, like, it was was probably a slow transition. There's probably three or four years there where I had like an amalgamation of, uh, of different interests and things, but, yeah. This is, you know, especially especially the last year launching the podcast and everything. This has really become part of my life. And my wife is, you know, is from, you know, rural Illinois, and uh, you know, grew up around farming and and firearms and stuff. Didn't don't really bother her. So, I've thankfully I've had a ton of support, you know, um, support financially, support emotionally. Um, and I and honestly, I have buddies that I cannot, I they don't have that, and it, it sucks them but it's awesome you know for guys like us right to to have that and it 
um, makes it easier to put the effort into bringing people into this uh, this lifestyle, this mindset. And honestly, I kind of said it as like a mission, you know, like a goal when I run into my buddy's wife or or just a friend, whatever, who's like, you know, why do you need guns? Like, why do you need that? Like, well, for one, I don't feel that I need to explain myself to you because yeah. of the Constitution. But two, let me tell you why I think we need to have guns. And why don't you tell me some reasons? And actually, I brought a friend on who wasn't, she wasn't like anti-2A. She just had a lot of questions, right? Like, why does somebody need that? Not tell yeah. me, what, justify why you need it, but right. I, I genuinely want to know. Um, and spreading that information and being well-educated to help spread information outside, you know, mainstream media, it, it removed, to quote um, Lucas uh, Botkin from T-Rex yeah. Arms, oh, yeah. he said this um, a while ago, probably a couple of years ago, and I heard this like one-liner and I... I love it. So we need to remove, we need to, we need to remove the stigma around firearms. We need to desensitize the public from the sight of firearms. Like basically just saying people freak out when they see a gun because they don't understand it. They're afraid of it. And I think that that's, that's like, you know, generations of the media just, you know, like programming (laughs) for lack of a better term, uh, Americans into, you know, guns are bad. People with guns have something wrong with them. It's not true, man. You know, like, that's that's the real mission, you know. I think uh, is bringing people around to understanding. Well, I mean, okay, so I literally have a loaded firearm pointed at my genitals all day, every day. And I have, I have for eight years now. Maybe maybe missed one day when I was in the hospital after my car accident four years ago that I didn't actually have my gun on me. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's been a loaded firearm pointed at my genitals for eight years. And I've never been shot, right? There's a loaded gun right there. There's two loaded guns right there. There's one sitting right there. So, and like, there's no holes in my walls. I've got all my digits and appendages, you know? So, I mean, I'm wildly exposed to loaded firearms daily and weekly, right? And I've, I've, I've never been injured, maimed, or had any poor experiences with firearms. And I think it, it comes to the mentality of like respecting the fact that they deserve respect. You know, I mean, yeah. you, like you wouldn't it's, think that going, walking around on the highway is a good idea, right? Like, what do you think? Exactly. And I, so, I like that you just put it that way. You know, you got to have a respect for it. Like my um my grandfather, like here in Michigan, where uh, I live, I'm like 10 minutes from uh, one of our lakes. Um, so boating here oh, is your, huge. Oh, they're your lakes. Yeah, there are lakes. There are Canada's lakes. There are lakes. This is actually like a more inland lake. It's not one of the oh, great lakes. But okay, I'm um, sorry. I got offensive. <laughs> Michigan's lakes. I mean, one of you can have one of them. All right. But share like, <laughs> the other four with the rest of the country, though. Um. So my, we're, we're big on boating here. Like I don't own one, but my grandfather did, and that sure. was his his love. Like the way we are about guns, he was about his boat. He had an all wooden boat, and he he you know, worked himself to the bone, you know, taking care of that thing and varnishing it and sanding it. And, you know, I mean, just, it was, it was beautiful, but he said something, uh, about being out on the water, right. Um, never be afraid of the water, but always have respect for what it can do. Oh yeah. You know, so, cause I feel like you make, you'll, you'll make more mistakes out of fear than you ever will out of carelessness. I, I think, uh, Heck yeah. You know, so I, I, I like that you put it that way, like that, that respect um, for what a firearm is capable of. Um, 
is always the thing to keep in mind, you know, like, yeah. um, like you said, I, I've never been shot by, by anything. Um, I own several firearms and it's, it's not that big of a deal if you are responsible and competent. It really isn't. It's not. And no. as people get involved with this stuff, they, I think they find that out pretty quickly. Like there's yeah. a lot of safety features built into holsters. There's safety features built into the guns, the trigger, uh, drop safeties. You know what I mean? Like it, it, they're incredibly safe if you know what you're doing. And I, it's just like driving a car. You go to driver's ed to learn how to drive a car and then you practice with it in a controlled environment. Yeah. With somebody who knows how to teach, right? So then yeah. why would you take something like a firearm and not apply the same kind of practical, uh, I don't know, theory to learning it? You know what I'm saying? I'd like to make, I, I'm, I'd like to interject here, and I'd like to make the discernible point that there's a significant difference between driving a vehicle and owning a gun, right? Or shooting a gun, just as a verb, right, let's say. Um, as, as much as I do agree and believe the fact that firearms are God given right for every citizen of this country and there's no, there's nowhere that vehicles are listed as that. Now I agree with that. This, this is not in contradiction to the constitution. Separately, I implore anybody that is interested in buying firearms or already owns them that they do take that training upon themselves to be a more responsible gun owner. But I don't think it should be necessary, right? Like there's been a lot of states that have mandated that you, or or they've at least proposed that there's going to be mandated training before you can own a firearm, just like there's mandated driver's ed class. Yeah. I'm with an instructor before you can get your license. But I agree with you a hundred percent. I'm just saying in terms of like the, the theory and application of like yeah, how you go about learning it, you know, yeah. whether driver's ed is, uh, I mean, it's legally required. Right. But I mean, I don't know about your parents, like even doing the, the practice hours with my dad in the car, I thought he was gonna have a damn heart attack. It, like he, he freaked, he is not even keel enough to be a driving instructor. Right. So he definitely would have, he still would have sent us to the school and said, here, let him do it. This guy's on, you know, medicine to make him calm and stuff. Like you, you, you do, you deal with it. You teach him how to drive. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you take something like that that has the, you know, what I'm getting at is like, you know, the, the possibility to be as equally as devastating, right? We look at things like car accidents and fit, yeah. uh, automotive fatalities, and everyone looks at it and goes, yeah, I'll, I mean, I pay to send my kid to driver's ed. I pay for them to um, have a safe vehicle. I pay, you know, we pay for all these things. Um, and it's funny because then people don't want to pay for firearms training. They don't want to pay for a quality firearm sometimes. Um, and they look to cut corners and stuff. It's like, well, but why? You, you know what I'm saying? It's just oh, like you. you put I, it in perspective, people start to see a little bit better. No, I I, I don't disagree with you. Um, yeah. Please let me be clear about that. I'm, I I don't mean to argue with you at all. I I do believe that based on the Constitution that this country was founded on, that the citizens of this country deserve and belong with their right to own and operate as many guns as you want, right? Absolutely. Keep in mind, as far as etiquette is concerned in the gun world, for anybody out there that isn't very up to speed, um, it's extremely uncouth to ask somebody how many guns they have. Okay, just saying. So you know. <laughs> just saying. So you know. Yeah. Uh, it's uncouth. 
Um, I tell what do you people, say when people when people who don't know when they ask you what do you say? I say I have I have way more than a lot. That's what I tell. <laughs> people. I, I usually just ask them why are you writing a book or like why yeah. do you want to know? <laughs> and and I, like like well I'm just curious. Well I have more than one. Yeah. You know I mean, like I give those vague answers and I get it because they don't know. But it's like it's like asking a hunter, where do you hunt? And it's like by a tree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, that's super vague. Like, yeah, mind your own business. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, yeah, it's it's I, I do believe I do believe that there should be uh, less restrictions on firearms in this country and that there should be more openness. And if we can abolish the stigma that's based around it then I think with with that relaxation and like the more commonplace of firearms will come people's familiarity with them, which then will breed more people's ambition or interest in yeah. being them. And that exposure will then breed at least comfort, if not then confidence and then competence with and around firearms. And having that respect about it makes such a significant difference. Right. Oh, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and if anything, I think that what we've lived through in various parts of the country this past year has only like, uh, honestly, I'll go, I'll just say it. I, I think that it may have inadvertently been the catalyst that may have started this ideological revolution that is, I mean, cause it pushed so many people towards buying firearms for the first time. Yeah. Um, so many people that maybe hadn't thought about it before are reaching out and, and looking into this because, Hey, now we're talking about defunding police. We don't know with these potential, you know, things like riots and stuff like that. Hey, the police may not always be there. Um, it's not entirely as unreasonable as some people may have thought to be prepared to handle these kinds of situations yourself. And I mean, how we can even look at not having a firearm, right? You take the firearm completely out of the equation. Owning things like body armor, owning yeah. things like a helmet, knowing how to use a radio. Like I'm, like right now, I'm studying for my ham radio license because. Yeah. Dude, communications are vital, and people go, well, yeah, but cell phone technology. It's like, yeah, but if you if the tower goes down or something, what are you gonna do? You know, you gotta plan for that backup, right? Like, have those skills. It's people. I think a lot of people are starting to see that it's not so like kooky to be, uh, you know, like a prepper anymore. Oh. They're kind of like, I'm a little late to the party, but I'm willing to listen now. Oh, absolutely. You know, so we've been doing this for a long time. The prepping side of things and for a long time we've been getting a lot of mockery right we've, there's a lot of people that you know that some people say it kindly to our faces and i'm sure there's a lot of people that say other things not to our faces and yeah. then it's interesting um kind of ironic how in the last year and a half or so once again that influx of people being like oh yeah um so you guys have some of this, huh? And like, how do you, <laughs> you know, and it's like, whoa, 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 man. Like, you know, you've been calling me crazy for six years. You know, mm -hmm. you've been, you've been questioning why when we go to Sam's club, I buy 50 pounds of rice, you know, but like now you get it right. I mean, well, or even the people that, you know, same people, like they were giving you all that flack and everything leading up to this. All of a sudden are the ones going, Hey man, I know where I'm going. If stuff, you know, pops off or whatever, it's like, yeah, no. I mean, and it's not a, a, anything against, like, I'm not trying to say I want to help my fellow man, if I can, but it's yeah. like, you know, you can only do so much, and you don't want to put yourself and your family in a position where you can't do for them what you need to be able to do, you know, provide food, provide protection, whatever, because you're trying to help 
everybody who didn't take this seriously. And yeah, you know, again, this sounds it sounds a little bit paranoid and stuff, but I mean, it don't, it doesn't though. You know, honestly, you seeing what we saw in the last year, like, hey man, it's kind of like that. I told you so thing. Like, <laughs> hey, it, it it can happen. It did yeah. happen. It did. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's not it's not like hey man, get your own. You know, I I agree with you, but it's also been like hey man, you know, like so you've been you've been doing great at budgeting for the past six years and you've got eighty eight thousand dollars in your savings account if my mm-hmm. car breaks down right and i'm like oh hey i know i've been totally garbage with money lately but i mean you've got eighty eight dollars <laughs> so like would you mind just getting my car fixed for me it's like well whoa damien why haven't you been saving money in in preparations for your car exactly. break right and here you know things are getting a little contentious and if people are like, oh, yeah, so uh, so you've got, you know, communications and you've got a plan and you've got security and it's like, all right, sounds good, man. Like, no, it's like, hey, dude, like we've been doing this with with the understanding and intention that it's for us. Right. Like yeah. I've I've been buying I've been buying for Damien, you know, I've been buying for the foreseeable future, the projection of what Damien is going to need for x amount of a lot of time right not exactly and like dude that just realized he's behind the yeah. eight ball you know so well, like and even you know even if sources and then sure we can pool them but like you don't get to just like zoop and come in on the resources that we've been gathering exactly and even if you don't have a ton of the resources or something like if you i've talked about this before on the podcast is set up like a, a network Right. You and like a let's say a close circle of friends, you know, maybe five of you total or six of you total. And maybe you just have a bunch of resources. Maybe you're not the smartest guy in the bunch. You don't have a ton of the skills, but resources are important. Right. So if you got a ton of ammo or a ton of food stored up or maybe you went spend crazy, you bought a bunch of a bunch of rifles and stuff and ammo and you're not a great shooter. But you have that stuff to go around For and sure. in, in turn. You have your other buddy who maybe only owns one gun, but is a mechanic by trade. So he can sure. help maintain vehicles. Then you got the other buddy who is, you know, an EMT or a doctor. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, okay. one hand washes the other type thing and you build that network. And then together you guys are all going to succeed working together um, to have that. Like you're saying, to have that pe- those people come in. They're like, hey, um, I don't really have anything to offer, but what's up? Let's chill. No, man, it's. What do you I mean, bring? What, what do you bring what, to the table? You know, like I mean, if you walk in the door fully acknowledging you don't have anything and you'll do whatever you can, like maybe we can work something out. You know, I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, personally, I think a lot of guys will will help where they can, but priorities are priorities. You know what I'm saying? And children need food. You know, like yeah, someone's got to clean the latrines, and <laughs> I know how to run a gun, so um, you know, yeah, that's exactly it. I honestly have no other, no other commendable skills other than shooting and i'm not even that good at that so like like i'm not i i don't know how to work on vehicles i i don't know how to build things like i'm i don't know how to sew i don't i'm not i don't have any medical experience i mean i i don't know how to like work with animals like (laughs) raising livestock or anything i've got i've got no commendable skills other than shooting um maybe literature like i like to write but that is absolutely useless in a survival situation. <laughs> yeah. In a survival situation. Yeah. Nobody cares. So but even, you know, you, 
even guy. just being able to you know shoot well and and you have multiple firearms so in a situation where you ran into somebody like a doctor or something that's a buddy you know like here you're a doctor but you have no gun like here take one of mine we're gonna chill together and <laughs> we're gonna make this work for a little bit you know what i mean like i'll take point you patch me up you know? yeah you just make sure that i don't die after bad stuff happens you know what i mean like I think that more people are starting to see it and I think people are starting to come around and, and honestly, it doesn't mean you got to have like the bunker and like six months worth of food and, you know, uh, 10 years worth of toilet paper. It just means like, like, honestly, I made it through the first two months of lockdown when everybody was at the stores punching each other at Costco for rolls of toilet paper because we didn't have to go. Like I had enough toilet paper and paper towel and bottled water to, to go around. And then, um, and I just talked about this, I think it was like a couple episodes ago, just like looking at stuff that we learned in COVID. People are absolute idiots at the grocery store. Like when we first went, it was like the day before our state declared lockdown. Man, that frozen food section was cleared out oh, yeah. of all the shit food. Like frozen chicken breasts and stuff, tons of it. Yeah. Tons of it. The stuff that you want to get. But like the Dino Nuggets, gone. The, the Tyson <laughs> Anytizers, gone. You know, the, the TGI Friday's potato skins, gone. You know, all the bacon and stuff that's not even frozen, gone. It's like people don't make the best decisions, you know. And I, I think uh, once they realized that the stores weren't just going to be instantly restocked, you know, I hope people kind of saw that and, and realized that there's a little bit more logic to this. And it can do you some pretty, you know, you can do a lot of good long term to have that stuff like at on hand, frozen, you know, having the deep freezer and everything like, you know, we're not just a bunch of rednecks or, or you know, you know, uh, freaks that, that prepare for the end of the world, like right. until, you know, the end of the world shows up and uh, then it's like, ah, who's laughing now, you know? Honestly, I, I agree with you. Uh, it's, you know, I was just in Walmart with my girlfriend like two weeks ago. And honestly, the shelves, they all seemed kind of bare, right? And I was like, you know, it really got me thinking, okay, things are totally fine right now. I mean, yeah, like there is, you know, there's a little bit of drama in this country right now, but like relatively, things are totally fine right now. I mean, like your lights still work. They're still running water, right? I mean, the street lights function. Okay, like we're all we're hanging out on the Internet right now. Okay, things are totally fine. Um, But I was in Walmart and I noticed that the shelves were somewhat bare, you know, like there was like maybe one or two like bundles of strawberries left. And it was because, you know, the bottom the bottom layer of strawberries were all like soggy and stuff. And I was like, things are fine, you know, and and look how bad it is right now. Right. Like like look look how did this store is. And we only have one Walmart for the town that I live in, right? And it's a town of like approximately 50,000 people. We only have one Walmart and there's like four or five grocery stores. Um, but I was in I was in Walmart and I noticed that it seemed depleted and things are fine. You know, like what happens when things aren't fine? You know how fast everything is going to go? Like things, oh, yeah. things are tough to have right now and things aren't that bad. How bad are things going to be like when that truck doesn't show up this week, you know, when when that truck doesn't show up for the past three weeks, you know, like if you aren't, if you weren't in those places to collect resources before, like, uh, what's, what's it called? Like when it happens, right. Like like, the, uh, yeah, that like catalyst moment that like where everything just people realize that I wanted to say point break, but uh, yeah, it's not, not, 
right. I knew it wasn't right, and that's why I, that's why I was trying to find and it. But you're right. You're a hundred percent right. Like, and it's not even to say you have to have a ton of any one thing, but like have a little bit more of the essentials, you know, plan ahead. Like you said, you know, I got, there's two of us, um, or, you know, four of us, if you got kids or whatever, we eat about this much. I just need, you know, this is canned goods, especially like canned goods. I honestly, I don't know that I saw canned goods get low in stock at any grocery store throughout this lockdown. (laughs) So seriously you know what uh doritos and chips and cheez-its and all the and cookies all the crap food that people love to you know the comfort food that you really shouldn't be eating that stuff i saw empty shelves or or low stock on shelves all the time going down like the canned food aisle there was i there was always canned corn canned green beans canned carrots you know i mean it's not glamorous food but like that's the kind of stuff you need to be eating you know and i i think that it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, I actually, you know, I, I was honestly surprised because as popular as it is, you know, now to like to be healthy, to eat a little bit better than what we used to in like the like the 90s. Right. To eat better and everything. I was kind of surprised that 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 was the way things went. But, you know, I guess that's kind of indicative of our, our whole culture here in the country when you're looking at it from the big picture. So, you know, like we're saying this this whole time, you know, we learned a lot of different lessons from this uh, yeah. firearms being just a part of it. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, it, it can happen. And it's kind of like, you know, the um, like the 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 World War Two uh, depression survivors. Right. The, yep. They die and then you go through like their house and stuff and people are finding crates and crates of food that's, you know, 20, 30 years past expiration. But those people suffered so much through not having anything that they just they swore they would never be without again so they just stocked up you know and you know it's just that they lessons learned and sometimes you learn it the hard way and that's why you know up to this point like yeah you know i have multiple firearms you know i went out and i bought a decent ar-15 and a good optic for it and i have the stuff that goes with it you know like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be caught in that situation not having it you know like i'm gonna be ready Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, obviously, I, the most of my investment has been in firearms and using those firearms. And that's not to say that, like, whatever. What if I just don't know what the right kind of plant is? And that's how I die. Like, it wasn't because it wasn't because, like, I was I, I didn't outshoot some guy in a firefight. It was because <laughs> I ate a mushroom <laughs> and I didn't read on whether the one I'm supposed to eat has four leaves or five leaves, you know, like it, it could still totally happen. Like regardless of how much preparation, I think like you can definitely, everybody can still get caught with their pants down, but like just in general, like a just a base, a little bit of just at least have in your mind that it's a good idea to do these things. Even if you don't entirely do it with discipline, it, I think as, as many people that can get away from like calling preppers paranoid and crazy tinfoil hat folk i think yeah no man i mean yeah. like if then covid should have should have shown all of those people that think anybody that preps that's air quotes on that again uh, anybody that preps is is like outlandish you know or senile and that's not the case well and i think you just hit on it you, know, you said uh, you, having the discipline right you know because i think right now a lot of people look at this um both with uh, new gun owners or even let's say current gun owners, right? 
Um, they don't want to, or didn't maybe leading up to COVID, they didn't want to invest the money in some of this stuff. Like I don't need to have more ammunition than what I would take with me to the range. Or I have one magazine full of hollow points that I carry and I don't need any more than that. Or I got iron sights on my rifle. I don't need, you know, any more than that. I'm not going to spend the money on it. And sometimes it really is a legitimate concern of, is it in the budget, right? Maybe right. the means aren't really there, but I've talked to a lot of people that own firearms that, uh, you know, I don't need that. I don't need a handgun. I don't need to buy a nicer scope. I don't need to have a light on this. I don't. And I'm like, man, you know, it's really easy to sit there and say that you just don't want to spend the money on it. Um, but a lot of this stuff, especially if you're the casual shooter, right? You're not out there like training this stuff super hard every weekend, right? Like law enforcement or military. A lot of this stuff, you buy it once, you're not gonna have to replace it again for a while. It's an investment in your future, as long as you buy like, you know, quality gear. But I think it's something that, again, people are starting to realize, like, maybe I should look at that again. Maybe, like, I mean, if so think about like, if we were in one of those cities where the riots popped off, right? If I, if I didn't have my body armor, I I probably would have been shitting my pants and thinking twice about, man, I should have just spent the $400. You know, like yeah. a plate carrier would be really nice right now. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. You know, and we you've, you've already said it here in this episode, but, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And mm-hmm. I think it was, could just try to be as well-rounded as possible is best. Like you, you said, you know, you don't need to have a bunker and you don't need to have years worth of food, but... I mean, I have a couple of weeks worth of canned goods, you know, and I mean, I, I've gone eight days without eating. I mean, the, the last like two and a half days I was, I was pretty weak, but my brain was still good. You know, I just didn't really have like a bunch of like, I wasn't bubbly, you know, I wasn't yeah, a bunch of energy. Yeah. I did. I didn't have like, Hey guys, what's going on? You know, I like, I didn't No, I was like, Hey, you know, <laughs> like my body was like, Hey, we're on, we're on reserve mode, bro. But I mean, I went I went eight days without eating, and I mean, I I still could have survived longer than that. I mean, obviously, any manual labor that was going to be necessary in those eight days got a little difficult towards the end of it. I was still working out every day, going to the gym and working out on you know while not eating. So I tried I tried to simulate something like what it would be like without food and still having to, let's say. Um, manage physical tasks and I still worked my regular day at my day job you know I still did that and I I, I went eight days and uh, I I ate because I was just so fatigued after that but you know eight days it was good for me to know how long I could go without food I test your limits yeah I still love I I just talked to a guy like two months ago that uh, he's friends with the president and founder of the concealed journey he went 33 days without eating after oh my God. 20 after 23 days or 25 days he did he did the 23 or 25 days like straight no food like no nothing and then after after like the 23 or 25 i don't remember exactly which uh he transitioned to having bone broth he switched to like then allowing himself to at least drink bone broth for sustenance but then only had water other than that. In my eight days of not eating, I drank coffee and water only. That was all I had. And I took on it supplements. But that was it for that. Um, it's good to know. But, I mean, just having, like, two weeks worth of canned goods in there and, like, It's have, more valuable than people realize. Yeah. And, you know, like, people, like you said, living in their means. Like, whereas before this happened, somebody would 
they were going to go to the range, they would stop at the gun store before they went to the range to buy ammo that they were going to shoot that day. You know, it's like, oh, I don't have any ammo, but I'm about, but I want to shoot today, so I'm going to go to the store and buy that. You know, and like to get away from that mentality to like, if you are going to buy some, you should you should buy it to like replenish what you already use. Exactly. Not for right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, or buy, buy two boxes. One yeah. goes home and the other one comes to the range type thing. Or like what I used to do when I lived by or worked, I'm sorry, by a sporting goods store <clears throat> on my lunch breaks. Every couple of days, I would just go buy two boxes, you know, yep. like 20 bucks for two boxes of nine mil or, you know, what, 15 or 16 bucks for two boxes of five, five, six. Not a lot, but yep. I wasn't going to the range every week either. I was going to the range like once a month because I was busy with work and, you know, free time being what it was. So right. I was storing up and, and then, you know, by the time we got we got to COVID, like, hey, you got a couple thousand rounds of your pistol and rifle ammo. Like, mm-hmm. do you want more? Yes. Do you feel okay about what you got? Yeah, actually, I felt pretty good about it. I, I came, I remember when they locked us down and everything, I came down uh, here into my basement, and I got it all in ammo cans and everything. I counted out what I got, and I'm like, you know what? I'm actually a little bit better off than I thought it would be. I feel pretty good right now. You know, it's right. kind of like one of those self-reassuring moments where it's like, all right, you did the right thing. Now, figure out where you obviously, you know, figure out what you missed and then try and take care of that. Cause I feel like inevitably we all miss something, right? Like either you don't have enough food, you don't have enough ammo, you don't have enough uh, hand sanitizer apparently, you know, and it's like, all right, got to figure it out now. Yeah. Mine's medical, medical experience and supplies. Um, like, so my, my place, right? Like, let's say, uh, my safe place we're we're good. We're good on medical supplies and medical training as far as the people involved. But myself personally, I know that's definitely one of my deficits is medical training. And the concealed journey and its constituents is currently seeking out those resources, right? And that experience, that training to do that because we're all uh, just wildly underexperienced in the medical realm. But that's that's where I had to check myself before I wrecked myself, thinking that I was a, a well-rounded citizen, you know, like I, I don't have medical experience and uh, I'm, I'm well aware of that. That's that's the one area that I need to be stronger in. But as far as money, honestly, for- that's that's probably one of those areas where I think, again, if you take firearms out of it completely and just looking at being a prepared citizen, if you're really against guns, whatever, you can still be very, very prepared having basic medical supplies, basic medical training and know-how. I mean, because realistically, you're 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 statistically more likely to come across like a car accident or an a, a accident in general, um, broken bone. Uh, somebody puts their hand through a window on accident, you know, bad cuts and stuff. You're you're statistically so much more likely to come across that kind of stuff. Having just knowing how to put on a tourniquet, like. I, I took uh, <laughs> I took CPR certification through work. Like they paid for the class, you can get it certified for free, no problem. You get to the very end, and they talk about tourniquets. Second thing out of the lady's mouth was, you cannot put a tourniquet around your neck. I was like, yeah, yeah um, duh. But and then I, it just like it hit me at that moment, like, yeah, I suppose you do have to say stuff like this because some people just don't get it. But I mean, medical, I I think, and that's why we partner with uh, mymedic.com. Uh, you know, for, for medical supplies and, and they include, um, training videos. You buy one of their kits from them and stuff and they email you a link to, uh, they have a former army, uh, ranger, 
I think his name's uh, Billy, I don't remember his last name. Um, but they have recorded training sessions on how to use those supplies, which I think, again, just like it's so underappreciated for the value that something like that yeah. brings to the table. So, oh, for you sure. know, like uh, I think it's Grand Thumb that said in one of his videos that I, I saw very early on is if you have the ability to make holes, you should also have the ability to plug holes. Yeah. You know, that circles back to, uh, you know, like the, the kind of skills that you might bring to the table. You know what I mean? If like if some dude if some if some dude shows up at our safe space, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some dude shows up at our safe space and he's got nothing in his hands. Right. He doesn't have any guns, no ammo. He doesn't have any forms of communication. He doesn't have any sort of currency. But he's like, hey, I'm a surgeon. You know what I mean? Like like I'm a 10 year surgeon. And it's like, okay, welcome in, you know? Like, yeah. Come on in, you know, buddy. Yeah, hey, how you doing, friend? Come on in. <laughs> but, I mean, that's one of those things, you know, is whatever. Like, you get somebody that's like an engineer of some sorts. I mean, probably, I don't know, maybe an architect wouldn't make it. And mathematicians, I'm, I'm not so sure. But, you know, somebody somebody with skills skills like that, you know, that's definitely an asset and it's valuable. And that's that experience is currency in itself as well. So, I mean, you, you got to bring something to the table. You know, I feel bad for people that like maybe maybe the only thing that they bring to the table is that they can they can help you get your IP rerouted. You know, I don't know. And it's like, dude, that's all you got. You know, I, that's, there's got to be something else. You know what I mean? Like you have incredible stamina. I don't know. Like, are you are you do you do you run marathons? I mean, that's at least you're in physical shape, you know, that's good, I suppose. But, or, you know, at the, at the very least, if you, you're saying you can reroute my IP, you can fix my internet, but maybe you have the, you know, the knowledge then also to run communications or, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're knowledgeable in that, in that realm. So you, you can, you find a way to become an asset in some way, you know, Uh, like have something, you know what I mean? And um, one of the things I think that, the lockdown was so good for it, right? Was it just gave everybody the free time to kind of like take on new hobbies. Yeah. So, you know, read more, um, learn how to run a ham radio, right? Get your test or take your test, get your license. Um, yeah. you know, dry fire more, uh, learn how to a garden, right? Learn how to grow your own sustainable food source, That's huge. you know, or go shit, go camping. There's nobody out there. You don't got to worry about social distancing. You're out camping, right? Go yeah. learn how to, camp go learn how to start a fire properly go learn what to look for to start a fire uh to your point earlier learn what not to eat when you're in the woods so you don't die you know i watched into the wild for the first time about six months ago and i was like oh man he even had a book you know and it still didn't work out for him (laughs) no i don't have a book no guarantees right my cousin's actually really good with that she like she's she's really studied just plants in general uh, was that botany mm-hmm. yep or, yeah horticulture horticulture and botany yeah okay yeah sure those two things i don't know man i can't read and i barely graduated high school so don't listen to me but <laughs> um one of the she's good with plants okay and she was talking about all the edible stuff that like will give you sustenance in the the rolling plains of north dakota and i was like i don't i've never even heard of that i don't know what it looks like like I, I better be able to wrangle a deer because if not, like, I'm screwed. Looks, 
looks like I'm eating dirt. You know, we I don't were, know. Uh, we took a trip to like northern Michigan a couple months back, me and Sam and uh, one of my buddies, and he was telling us when we were, we were doing land navigation. We went out turkey hunting in the morning, they were doing land navigation in the afternoon. He was telling us when he was in, uh, he was a tac P in the Air Force, and he was telling us when they were going through SEER training. Yeah. Uh, how the, he's like, yeah, you know, you can eat those ants. I go, those ants right there on the ground. He's like, yeah, you just got to make sure you you get them before they bite your tongue, but they taste like lemon drops. <laughs> I'm like, wow. seriously? He's yep. like, yeah, right around day two of no food while you're running around and trying not to get captured and you know doing all this other crazy stuff, you'll eat pretty much anything. And then around day four, they throw the group of you twelve guys like a live chicken, and it just gets ripped to pieces. Like, and you know what I mean? It's just like all this stuff and. It's crazy, uh, but, you know, it just makes you realize, like, you can make it. Like, you can make it. You just got to, like, you know, a little bit of know-how will go a long way in situations like that. And I think that um, as a society right now, the the more we become reliant on technology, the less self-sustaining we become when we get out into the wilderness. And, like, and I say that as somebody who I don't think that I'm very self-sustaining. Like, I have a pretty low uh i think i set the bar personally pretty low um but that's why i surround myself with people that can teach me more and can help me get better at that stuff like i acknowledge it i want to get better so i'm gonna keep working on it you know and i think that if more people had that uh that mindset you know we'd all be a better a better place for it that word right there i don't know if it's starting to get too diluted by now but the word mindset you know this is one thing that I try to emphasize in our classes, especially, is that we're, we're trying to trying to teach you the mindset for you to like take this upon yourself and go further with it from there. You know that essentially, you like you you don't need you don't need somebody else to do it for you. You have you have the inspiration to do it on your own, right? And so like like when we're talking about the shooters. You know, it's like, obviously, it's great to have an instructor with you here right now. You know what I mean? But there's so much that you can do without an instructor and still yeah. your skills. Right. And that mindset, there's the mindset of self-reliance in general, like place it on anything like you want to be able to fix your own car so you don't have to pay, you know, $100 per hour for labor at a mechanic. Right. And just anyways, you know, just the self-reliance mindset, you know, mindset is such a huge thing. And like I've been hearing it for so long, but until recently, like it, it, I never really understood its value, like in almost in its simplicity, like just your mindset. To it have- really is. It's it, it is, you know, it's super simplistic, but you nailed it. You know, like that inspiration. It, it's it, we used to call it when I was in, you know, music and everything like you got the bug, right? Like you just you started getting one thing right and then you got another thing right. And right. you still had a million things you weren't good at or doing right, but you just, you wanted more, right? And it's the same thing with this, you know, you, as you start finding success, you find that inspiration and, you know, you, you, you get to a point where you can start teaching yourself by reading some stuff and watching some stuff and then reaching out to other sources and everything. And it, it is, it's that, that inspiration, that, that like determination, that mindset, like you're saying, you know, to, to drive you to want to do better and be better like and it could be anything it could be a class that you guys host right it could be um video on youtube right i bought my first gun it was like an m&p shield and i was like okay i mean this is cool i didn't really know what i bought it because i wanted a gun that was it i didn't really have you know 
and I started researching. I find these videos of uh, like Chris Costa, and then I found uh, like I found the T Rex Arms channel, and that was game over from there on out. Like I was like I was kind of hooked. Um, and it's like you know what? Like I want to know more. There's so much more. Like I want to know more. Tell me more. Teach me more. I want to get better. And that unfortunately also then kind of led to me spending a whole bunch of money on a whole bunch of gear and kit and and oh, it- uh, this kind of you know the slippery slope but it is you know mindset i think is the key to all of it truly um and you know if you have that i think you'll like a good mindset with a minimal amount of gear and a minimal amount of training will take you to places you probably never realized you could go Right. I mean, oh, yeah, I would not have imagined, uh, geez, six years ago when I first bought my first gun that I would be, you know, hosting a podcast. I'd own multiple firearms. and I'd be teaching myself these different skills. And you know what I mean? Uh, but yep. but here we are right now. You you and I are sitting here having this conversation. Yeah, it's I, I, I think it's it's all driven, you know, I'm like I, I knew I knew when I started doing this that. Like, this is what I wanted to do. I, I did know that. I, I didn't think that I, I could have no way of knowing that I would live where I live here, you know, with, like, my room set up. Like, I obviously can't tell the future, but I knew when I started getting into guns that that was what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do gun stuff in some way. I, yeah. I didn't know I was going to be an instructor or that I was going to be an owner in an entity that emphasizes concealed carry and you know does all this shooting whatever i didn't obviously i couldn't have been that detailed and i don't have a lot of foresight to begin with but i did know that when i started with firearms that it was i wanted to do something like that and my full-time job is working in a gun store and that is awesome that's fantastic and then you know doing this stuff as well on the side right now and so like truly my whole day consists of my whole day almost every day consists of something firearm related and it's an absolute blessing man it's it's so nice and to like the indoctrination and just being able to be like be how how much of an honor it is to be some people's first impression and interpretation of what gun culture is like i mean it's yeah. huge ability and I, I i try to have fun with it you know i like like let's have a good time i try to tell everybody that gets into like the, the one thing that's the most important with your first experience with firearms is that you're safe and that you have a good time. If you hit the target, who gives a damn? All right. That's it just matter. gravy. Yeah. Right. Okay. You're safe. So don't, don't point this gun at people and then, and then like have fun. Okay. And if you do those, th- those two things today, we're good accomplished. You know what I mean? Like the rest we, will follow. We met. Yeah, exactly. Like then the next time, see, that's the thing is if you don't have a good time, then you're, you're not inclined to do it again. But if you have exactly. a good time, and like if we made a good impression, just let's say in some facet representing gun owners of America and then instructors in the gun community, if we do a good job with that, then when this when this guy is, you know, back home and there's another training class at the state next to him, he's like, oh, well, those those instructors, that was a good time with those instructors. And you know, maybe these guys can teach you something. So they're more inclined to go get some other training elsewhere, right? Or just do it on their own or just have a good time. And then I think one person at a time that has a good experience in the firearms realm, it, it'll it start to 
<clears throat> chip away at what that stigma is that we talked about earlier. You yeah. know, one more good impression and good experience that we can have on somebody new to firearms, it, it helps alleviate all that negative connotation that that's been programmed so, so much lately. You know, we can just start to whittle that away, whittle that yeah. away. I mean, cause really it's, it's like generations, right. Of, um, generations or, or decades, you want to you know, say decades of gun control and, uh, the media telling, you know, America that it's, it's a bad way to be. So it's like, well, it, then we got to realize that the flip side of that coin, it's not going to be an overnight process to, to reverse this because I mean, hell, America used to teach, uh, firearm safety in schools. You see schools across the country that have, you know, shooting ranges, um, in their basements and stuff. So it, it used to be a very, it still is a very American thing. I shouldn't say it that way. It used to be a, a much more widely accepted uh, American uh, trait, American hobby, American pastime, um, to own a firearm, to shoot a firearm, to go hunting and things. And I think that, uh, you know, I think it, we blame, we can blame the media for a lot of it and politicians, honestly, for, you know, utilizing uh some tragedies and leveraging um, our own freedoms against us. But, you know, I, like you said, one person at a time. And I think that we're starting to see be, probably a lot of like the social media to thank for it. Um, the access to information and yeah. uh, like just this huge community, right. Of just people that want to help each other. And there's oh, yeah. with any community, there's some a-holes, you know, and there are, there's definitely a lot in the two A community, but there's, I think so many more that, just want to learn they want to help each other they want to you know part of they it. want to help things get better don't we all just want to be a part of something great right i know i uh, maybe i should only speak for myself but i know that i just want to be a part of something great and super locally i'm a part Would of you something. say that you want to make america great again yeah well <laughs> i hope so, you know and um I hope so. I, I don't know what the idealistic America is, you know, like I, I don't I don't have a version of America that's like the best it could possibly be. I just I just love this country. I really do. I love being a red blood, red blooded American. I love it. Being a son of this country. It's fantastic. Absolutely. And I, I, I love being here and I, I just want to be a part of something great. I'm a part of something great with the concealed journey and then the concealed journey, just being a part of this gun community, gun owners of America in general, and then just being a citizen of this country. And I think we all want to be a part of something great, you know, and I, I think the I honestly haven't had any encounters with anybody that's, I don't know, been uh, less than ideal in the 2A community. Every, everybody that I've ever met, there there was an RSO at our local range that was kind of a jerk sometimes. But I mean, other than that, like I've met some people that are unsafe, but I mean, like I, I played pool at a local bar and I met way more jerks there than I did ever in the whole two-way community. And that's including social media. Like people have been fantastic on social media, you know, with information, yeah. asking questions. I mean, um, you know, just like bouncing ideas off of each other you know, like training drills and like how to, how to do, how to, how to make a post and all that kind of stuff, man. I mean, just like helpful tips on the video or whatever, like just trying to help, you know, I, I, I'm, I have not been as fortunate. I've, I've had a handful of negative experiences. Um, like I said, there's always going to be some a-holes 
some people that want to just bring you down just because they're the way they are. But I, and then one was with not in a class, but it was in, with a I'm not gonna like name names, but it was a, a fairly well known trainer that I reached out to on social media and asked, inquired about you know classes and stuff, and um, he gave a pretty crappy response about it. I had a pretty uh, my my opinion of him went straight through the floor um, with a very general and very rude comment he made um, about people in in my state in general. So I was like, you know what? then I don't want to take a class with you anymore, man. Like you were one of the guys that was on like my short list of places I wanted to go learn from. And well, I mean, to hell with that now I'll, I'll find somebody else that sure they'll do it. But you know, I mean, for the, largely like you're saying for, for the most part, it, it's a very positive experience. I think a lot of people have realized that we come together. We're, we're way stronger than I think any of us like, you know, realize. Oh yeah. And that's I, how we get better. Totally, man. Totally. I, I, I've truly found that we have way more in common than we do have differences. You know, I, I spoke about this with uh, Starlet Death on one of our IG lives as well. You know, talking about how she's got some friends that aren't really into guns. And I've got some friends that aren't into guns. And I, I haven't been super pushy on them. Like, hey, man, like, you need to get a gun. Like, you need to come out with us and you need to do training. Yeah. I offer them politely. Like, hey, if you ever want to go, just know. Like I'm here for certain I'm going to be going and you're welcome to tag along whenever you want ambition <laughs> at your own ambition and we'll get you squared away. And it's going to be a pleasant experience. It's not going to be like, Oh, what the hell are you doing? Like, that's not how you hold it. You know, it won't be like that at all. We'll take our time. Like we've got a ton of different platforms that you can try out, you know, going from like laser guns, you can, you can use a stick to start with for all I care. If that's what you feel comfortable, if you don't want anything that shoots any real, I don't care. You know, and I've been around my friends that aren't so much into guns and they know I'm super into guns. Like I would probably say like, I'm the most gun enthusiastic person that any of my friends have. And over the years, some of them have been like, yeah, that's cool. Like, let's try that. Let's go. And some of them haven't gone with me once. Right. Care less. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm less friends with them. You know what I mean? Like we still have so much more in common, right? Like, like my other buddy, he's not into guns at all. He likes finances and real estate. And I mean, he owns a Glock 19, but I don't know if he's ever even gone and like target practiced with it once. Right. Um, but he owns one and good on him for buying a Glock. I'm glad he made at least his only decision in the gun world was the most a good one. Decision. Yes, yeah. I'm absolutely. just kidding. That's just me being a, a Glock fanboy. Uh, sorry for that bias. I'm, I'm just trying, it's just Don't apologize to me. I love Glock. I think it's a fantastic decision. As a, as a Glock fan, I'm only, I'm only representing the rest of the Glock fan club appropriately by being (laughs) a ridiculous member of that fan club. Anyways, um, he owns one of those, but he's into real estate and finance and stuff and he doesn't really care, but he's still one of my best friends. You know, like we go hiking and camping for weeks. Like, you know, it's, it's a good time. Like we have conversations that I've had that we have in depth that I haven't had with anybody else. You know, I mean, we're still incredibly valued friends of each other's, even though he's not into guns and I don't care about finances and real estate at all. And we've been friends since high school and he's been into that stuff for years now. And I have no interest in finances or real estate and he doesn't care about guns and we're still best friends. So if we focus on other things in other areas, that we can get along. Like, did you ever watch the TV show Lost? Right. I actually didn't. 
Okay, well, we'll find something else. Everyone tells me that it that it should I should it should make it on my list somewhere, but whatever. Uh, I've never seen it. It doesn't matter. Have you played you know Red Dead Redemption? I did. Okay, cool, great game, right? I, I actually really do enjoy that game. <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. See, we've got something in common, right? Like, let's talk about. The, I'm just saying. Obviously, that's a really petty example, but. No, but you know, it's, it makes your point, you know, like we all have way more in common than we realize. And I think it's because by maybe, maybe it's by human nature. I think we seek out that divisiveness sometimes. And that's kind of it's, it's self-destructive. You know, I think it's something that, uh, you know, we're we need to get away from as an overall culture. But in the two way community, um, to your point, I think that we come together over one thing guns right firearms and i think that we then start to find out we have to your point way more in common like you love cooking dude i love cooking too i mean not me personally i'm a terrible cook and without my wife i would probably die of starvation but you know yeah you know and it's cool that way because then it just builds those deeper friendships like just past going to the range together just past you know talking about hey man you tried the new vortex scope like man that thing's sick yeah it's awesome talk to you next week i got one right here yeah. Which one is that? This is the Strike Eagle one to six with the BDC three reticle. I think that's what I I just actually put one of those on my wife's rifle, uh, her uh, sixteen inch rifle. Uh, honestly, I dude, I I enjoy the Strike Eagle. I think it's uh, when people are looking at at like I don't want to say entry level, but people want to look at a quality optic for not a thousand dollars. That'll probably be one of the first things I steer people towards. Dude, primary arms is great too. I've not touched them yet. But I really like that ACSS Raptor, I think. Is it what they call that reticle or something? What I got. And I'm like, that that looks pretty sharp, man. Like I did they do um do they do like the the lifetime warranty as well? Yeah. Cause that's I mean, honestly, um and I talked about this in a previous I think it might be my last one, about how uh civilians kind of have driven um a lot of the gun industry. Um because there's so much more demand now for like quality optics and stuff. Now it's like most of these companies, you basically have to lifetime warranty your optic. Otherwise people aren't going to buy it. Cause it's like, well, you can go to vortex, you can go to primary arms. Um, I think Leopold even has a lifetime warranty now. Like Leopold does someone's going to undercut you and they're going to offer just as good a product. And they're going to say, if it breaks, we'll replace it with no questions asked, you know? Yeah. And that's just, Honestly, that's just like that's like an an even better example of like the two A community driving the consumerism that and then it like feeds back into it by, uh, you know, now we have lifetime warranties on optics, which is great because, man, they're so damn expensive sometimes. Oh, they are. Like, I mean, we we try to advocate, or I don't know, let's say at least suggest the theory of buy once, cry once, right? We've done a couple YouTube videos talking about like. Is upgrading your pistol worth it? You know what I mean? What about upgrading your rifle? You know, I mean, are you just going to pick up like an M&P 15 sport and you're just going to rock iron sights? You know, just spend your money on ammo, right? And be able to afford to take a Monday off to go to the range. So there isn't going to be anybody else there because it's a Monday. And you you were able to afford to take that day off because you saved money on that M&P 15 too, right? um support too but you could do that right and just spend your time training and getting ammo right with with a with a low entry level item or you know like i have i have like five or six ars right and they're all with different configurations different optics on this one and handguard lengths and 
you know, accessories, stuff sure. like that. Um, and that's cool. It's cool, but I I neglect a couple of them pretty bad. So would it make more sense if I just completely liquidated both of those guns and put it into something really great, right? Like on my on my dream board, right? My goals list right here says Warrior Poet Society, night vision goggles, and then an engine for my car, right? And then I've got... <laughs> got vacation coming up in two weeks so that's that's up there right now and you know if i liquidated two of those ars i could get into a lower end set of monocular pvs 14 right i, I could get that they're like 22 to 2800 dollars depending on different specs but you know if i liquidated both of those ars i could i could have that but like i don't so like what makes more sense right like buy once cry once and just have one good thing that you're going to do with i mean i have a ton of handguns and they've all got different setups like i've got a gen 2 that i'm carrying right now super bare bones no weapon light you know it, it doesn't have an optic on it or anything and then i've got another handgun that's all decked out right and i mean if i was going to advocate to anybody getting into this stuff is like do a, do research firsthand and don't have to learn the hard way you know like it's cool to know, like I know what I like and I know what I don't like, and I've got a bin of holsters and I've got a bucket of Dude. spare that I don't like. Yeah, so. but that problem is real good. Like I'm actually running out of places like in my basement to store all my crap because I have like, I've got extra hand guards. I got a couple extra optics. I got extra like cheapo plate carriers I bought. I got extra pouches and belts and, you know, and it's like, if I would have only done the research up front and just waited a little bit longer to get that nice plate carrier, which I ended up with anyway, you know, exactly. like it's, it, it is worth it. It doesn't feel like it, you know, everyone kind of wants that immediate appreciation. Right. Which is why I think sometimes, um, with training and stuff, people get discouraged if they're not shooting bullseyes right away. Right. But it's like, this to your point, you got to make it fun, a good, you know, so even if they miss everything, like you want to come back and do it again, cause it's a good time. Like, People want, by nature, that immediate appreciation, especially in today's society where you just tap a screen and you got whatever you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that immediate so, you're saying? What's that? That immediate gratification, right? Like yeah. Amazon, I order, now it's here tomorrow. Exactly. And yeah. I mean, and I get that. You know, like, we all want that. But at the same time, it's so much better to just, like, you know, I wish I would have just waited, got the, you know the better scope, you know, the better rifle. Like I, I did, I bought the, the Smith and Wesson M and P sport two as my first AR back when like the Orlando nightclub shooting happened. And sure. I did that because I was like, well, I was trying to justify spending the money at the time because finances weren't quite there, but I was like, well, I'm really afraid they're going to ban them. So I'll just do it. And honestly, I won't, I've wanted putting so much more money into that gun, like long term, <laughs> you know, like swapping out the handguard, swapping out the bolt carrier, you know, just, all kinds of stuff. It's it's basically just a Smith and Wesson lower at this point with a bunch of other stuff. And you know, if I would have spent a little bit more money then, I probably long term would have saved a little bit of money. You yeah. know, when it washes out. But you know, I mean, that's the live and learn. And I think that you know, like we were saying earlier, you can share those experiences with people uh, online and in the community and just say, hey man, I've been there. I can tell you for a matter of fact. If you wait another three months. And save that extra 200 bucks, you're gonna be way happier. You oh yeah. Know? And it's like, I mean, you can't make them believe you, but you can at least try. You can at least offer your your personal experience, and a lot of people do listen. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, or friends do that. You know, hey, I want to get into an AR. 
I've had handguns before. I want to learn how to shoot a rifle. It's like, dude, absolutely. An AR is an absolute blast to shoot. People think that it's, you know, big and scary and loud. And I mean, it is kind of loud, but like, they're great to shoot. It's an awesome platform. It's, it's America's rifle. Like, yeah, I 100% think you should go buy one. And once you get it, call me and I'll show you what's up. Like, I'll show you how to clean it. I'll show you how to use it, work it. Like, we'll, you know, we'll get you all set up, man. Like, don't worry about it, you know? Oh yeah. I, I think, I think that is, I, I don't know if I should say infinite resource, but it's a seemingly endless. That's probably the same as infinite, but I don't know. It's, it's a long list of folks that would be in line ready and willing to like walk you through it. You know, if mm-hmm. any, myself, if anybody asked me, like, hey, man, will you coach me through, like, what kind of gear to get? How should I set up my rifle? Like, okay, well, here I'm at an advantage where I have five different rifles. They're all set up differently. Like, why don't you come out? We'll shoot all five of them. You can see what you like. Like, do you like this grip? Do you like this handguard? What do you think about this optic? What What about, you know, the height of the optic, right? Let's talk about height over board and cheek welds. You know what I mean? Like, do you like something lower? Like, or are you liking how high this piggyback RMR sits, you know, like 193, yeah. a little bit more heads up shooting. Is that nice? Do you, do you like the swing of this pistol that has a 10 and a half inch barrel? Or do you like the precision capability of an 18 inch barrel? You know, I mean, like there's so many ways to go about it, but come on out and we'll just run through all we'll of try them. Try it. Yeah. You or even just, it. I'll show you how to clean them. Yeah. Or, or just walking them through the, the, like the thought process, like, you know, are you going to need to reach out? Oh, you know, 200, 300, 400 yards, maybe you live out where it's wide open. Then that's, that's one thing to think about. Do you live someplace where it's super suburban and there's lots of, you know, tight corridor, like where I live, it, we're, we're actually pretty sardine together here. Like it's pretty tight. So I prefer an 11 and a half inch, you know, I'm not going to be taking that 200 yard shot and there's a lot of corners. There's a lot of, you know, uh, we don't have like a ton of connected garages here. So that just means more separate structures to work right. around and stuff. Like, you know, if I were ever in a situation, I have to use it. Yeah. I probably don't need something that's an 18 inch barrel that it's going to have to get me out that 300 yards. I'm going to need 40 yards and in more than likely. You right. know what I mean? And that's, and people don't think about that. They don't realize like, Hey, um, it's kind of hard to get through a doorway with this full size gun or, Hey, this handgun is, is awesome and everything, but it's actually pretty hard to control compared to a rifle. And, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. just like the the benefit of experience, you know, like that we can share with people. And like we both said, like we're not even, I think, like the world, we're, we're definitely not the world's leading experts on any of this. Um, no, I don't know anything. That but, you don't, but you don't have to be. That's the, like the awesome part, too, is you can, you know, you can still share your experience and, and a lot of people will benefit and be happy to have that knowledge shared with them. And then we can still continue on our own to like, you know, continue reaching, learning. Oh, yeah. wanting better for for ourselves and then it, it just like it's a this like self-fulfilling cycle of everybody helping everybody and it's awesome yeah, yeah i think i i think you just you nailed it on the head there man and that hey there should be a disclaimer maybe if you could put it at the beginning just crop this next little piece <laughs> yeah uh, disclaimer is i don't know anything the the only thing that i know is that i don't know enough okay like i don't i I don't have expertise in anything. Dude, I wish so. more people had that that kind of like humble attitude about it. You know, I think that no, don't. I mean, it's it's awesome. Um, because I think that, and it's going away. But if you look at like old school gun guys, I think a lot of them are those dudes that like think they know a lot, and yeah. 
then you hear him say, you know, hey, I carry a 1911. It's like, oh, yeah, you don't actually know what you're talking about. It's fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, I mean, and no hate on the 1911. I love no. the 1911 platform. It's America's gun. I own one purely yeah. for patriotic purposes. <laughs> but if I you just, if you honestly walk in that door and you're like, yeah, I carry a 1911 because 45 is God's caliber. Like, uh, um, no, this isn't going to go well. Okay. Because 10 millimeter is God's caliber. Okay. <laughs> so let's get that straight. And the 1911, it it's truly traditional. There's a lot of heritage in it, obviously, but it's I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's obsolete. It, there are just like higher functioning and more efficient firearms out there nowadays. But I mean, sure. like, the guy that trained us to be instructors, he carried a 1911, man. He, carried, he tried and true. Also, keep in mind, this guy was like 70 years old. So now working at a gun store, you get some characters, right? You get you get some interesting folk coming in with some interesting firearms ideology. <laughs> And there was a guy that came in, you know, open carrying a 1911, hammer cocked, without a round in the chamber, in a leather holster. And what? I, all I had was questions for that guy. I tell you what. I was just going to say, I have a couple of questions for that guy. <laughs> all I had was questions for that guy, you know, and whatever. I mean, obviously, it's on the end user. And as much as I try to implore folks to that, if you don't carry with a round in the chamber right now, okay, that's okay. But you should definitely intend to build the confidence and competence in yourself to have your to intent carrying with a round in the chamber. Yeah, right? and I, I think a lot of people start that way, you know, like I did. I was scared of carrying with a round in the chamber at first. It, it took me about, uh, I would say like three, four months. And then like one day I'm like, I'm just going to do it today. And then yeah. I was like, you know what? Nothing bad happened. That's crazy. I'm going to do it for another day. And then eventually i just it just it, it was you know you just you just got to get there it's a personal thing like i understand it um you know i just i don't understand the people that are like that's their lifelong thing is they carry without one in the chamber like all right there's something a little bit off with you buddy yeah i don't uh, obviously you know you could lead a horse to water but you can't drown it you know or <laughs> yeah something think, like that yeah <laughs> it's just water under the fridge at this point in time um I'm just kidding. Uh, but you you could say even if you, even if all you're doing is batting like logic for home runs, right? Um, you just some people just don't don't care. Like some people just aren't receptive, or or they just totally believe in a separate ideology. You know what I mean? Like I know what I believe in, and it would probably take a lot to convince me otherwise on on the things that I. Th- think i'm i don't know not familiar with but you know you just you just start getting in like in the groove of some things and some things just become routine like why do you do it like that i don't know it's just like how i've been doing it you know and it's it's amazing how many other practices are out there you know like try it like this you know what i mean like some dry fire tips that i i've been doing dry fire for five years now i didn't do it when i first started but for five years i've been doing dry fire at least after I get dressed and I put my holster on, I run a couple of reps. I've got little silhouettes plastered up all over my place. I'll, I'll just do a couple reps with whatever clothes I'm wearing that day just before I leave the house. At the very least, I do that every day. Um, I've been doing that for five years. And it wasn't until, I don't know, probably December, like, you know, six months ago, that a guy a guy showed me a different dry fire technique where you, you, put, you put a little piece of paper or whatever, just something to keep 
the slide barely out of battery and oh, then yeah. the trigger will move freely yep. you know whoa and you don't have to use a dry fire mag right and you can put a snap cap in there if you want to like have something orange inside the chamber to know like you know you know that right. it's um but whatever then you can still practice reloads it, yep. can, and, it, and it'll still work with most holsters too it won't create enough of an obstruction that it won't work with your safari land or your t-rex arms or you know right. eclipse holsters you know whatever you're, where you're running yeah it'll still work and and that was a super cool thing just it also doesn't obstruct your sight picture at all you know if you just put a little piece in there just to keep the slide somewhat out of battery you can still just work that trigger now you won't be able to like prep the trigger get to the wall and then break the shot it just moves freely but um unlike let's say a dry fire mag uh which also costs 80 dollars, it's a super nice tool to have an actual like absolutely like, dry fire tm like trademark dry fire magazine it's nice to have because that allows you to actually get to the wall and then work on the break where the trigger will actually break and then reset and then break so you can work on that in-flight reset you can work on just being at the wall, being at the wall, being at the wall, breaking the shot. Whereas you can't necessarily do that if you just have a little obstruction uh, with the gun out of battery, but you can work reloads. You can't work slide lock reloads. But mm-hmm. Well, um, and there's, I think there's something to be said for being able to isolate those two skills as well. You know, like yeah. if your your dry fire session is is based around, I need to work on my trigger press and and feeling that trigger. And, and that's what I'm working on tonight. Like not disrupting that perfect sight picture then that's what you're working on. If you're working on something that, you know, you're doing, you're working on transition drills or reloads or whatever, like, okay, that's a separate skill set, you know? And I think that, you know, there's a lot of merit to dry fire and the different ways uh, you can, you can use it. And that's honestly, again, with more and more people getting into this, you're only seeing more innovation in the way people practice at home. And then even a step past that with, you know, COVID and ammo being so freaking scarce and expensive, People are like, well, I'm not going to stop. Like, I can't stop here. So I'm going to find a way. Like, if I can't get better at, like, shooting, shooting, I'm going to get better at my transitions. I'm going to be better at my reloads or maybe yeah. administrative skills. You know what right. I mean? Like, shoulder shoulder transitions, which I still yeah. suck at super bad. And it's awful. But, you know, hey, there, work on it, right? And there's something to be gained from working on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an everlasting journey, right? I mean, who's, who, who in the world is actually a master at anything, you know? JJ Rakaza. Yep. I don't know who that is actually. Oh, you should look him up, man. He's like a world championship shooter. Dude is like the legitist. He's, he's very good. JJ Um, Rakaza. Yep. He was on that, um, history channel had a show called uh, top shot. Um, Oh yeah. He, he was, uh, I believe he, he won, or was like second place on the first season. Um, dude's a grandmaster. He's very good. And from everything I've seen and heard, he's like a super humble dude and a really good teacher. He's also just really, really in demand because of, you know, those things. I'm so. sure because of those skills. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he advocates dry fire and stuff. So, Hey man, listen, I want to, you know, say thanks for coming on here and, and talking with me about this. Uh, you know, I love getting together with you guys and talking and, and, uh, hopefully we're going to do it again soon. Um, but, but truly, uh, you guys are great. I wish you all, uh, over there at concealed journey, nothing but the best of luck with these courses and, and, you know, enjoy the heck out of that warrior poet society class. Cause I'm definitely going to be reaching out, uh, and find out how that goes. Cause 
you know, I think I'm, I'm thinking about checking one out, maybe doing some travel to like check out John Lovell and, and what he's got going on. So, oh, yeah. so, uh, so thanks for coming on, man. And, uh, Hell yeah. we'll be in touch. All right. 